From between the hedges at Sanford Stadium to the practice fields, from Stegman Coliseum and wherever else the Bulldogs are playing, it's time to talk Georgia sports. From the Athens Banner Herald, here are your hosts, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Welcome in. It's the Bulldogs Extra Podcast from Online Athens and the Athens Banner Herald. Ryan Dennis here with you from the studio in Athens where it is currently rainy, a little bit warm, but not as warm as Mark Weiser is coming to us from Miami. Mark Weiser, welcome in. The UGA beat writer. Is it uh, as tropical as uh, we might expect right now down there? Ryan, good to talk to you. A couple things, though. Uh, truth in advertising, I'm not actually in Miami. I'm near Fort Lauderdale in the lovely hotel in uh, Donia Beach, Florida. Is, I don't know. Is that Denia? Is it Denia Beach? Uh, no, Denial is a river in Egypt. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know, but it's uh, it's not far from the actual beach. But it's not. We this is not a beachfront hotel. Yeah, uh, it's really close to the Fort Lauderdale um, Hollywood International Airport, though. Um, and uh, did a little uh, exercise before. Uh, Came back to do the podcast after uh, working this morning, and it's hot out there. It's uh, it's probably uh, eighty degrees or so. Um, so, uh, Ryan, what happened? I thought you were joining me down here. What are you doing up in Athens? Yeah. So, uh, as we all know, the Omicron variant. Uh, I'm sure we'll discuss a little more later and what impact it's had on college football. But uh, you know, once we started uh, noticing how things were going digital and uh, you know virtual press conferences and stuff, it really didn't make sense for. Uh, us to risk another one of us down there, though. Uh, you know, we would love to have been down there, had to uh, go on uh, Christmas Eve, I believe it was, maybe even Christmas Day, make some phone calls and uh, cancel some hotels and flights and all that stuff, which wasn't fun. But uh, glad you could make it, glad you could represent us. Uh, and I wish I was down where it was a little bit warmer and, and not as rainy, because I think, uh, when are you getting back? On, on Saturday? It's uh, It'll still be I'll, raining I'll here be- in Athens on Saturday. Oh, is it, is it supposed to be raining then still? I do believe so, yep. I'll be getting back Saturday, ready to make a quick pivot to go to Indianapolis. Ah. If, if the Georgia Bulldogs can pull off the win against Michigan, uh, Ryan, I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about the matchup. We'll talk about the week here in Florida, what, what we've learned um, you know, as the Bulldogs have prepared, uh, and uh, those COVID protocols have even shifted even more since I've been down here. Um, so let's get to it. We'll make our picks on the back end of the show. Yeah, we will. Ryan, uh, hope, uh, hopefully uh, you didn't have a great week and you, you know, are not going to catch up to me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first things first, bowl time is always a, a fun time for reporters. We get to, uh, especially at uh, Georgia, we get to talk to coordinators and, uh, of course, two, two you know hot topic type coordinators this week uh, with Dan Lanning and, of course, Todd Munkin. And uh, let's start with Todd Munkin first. Pretty much came out and told everybody that Stetson Bennett is the quarterback, seems to be his choice at quarterback. And they're going to ride him until the end. I know JT Daniels had some COVID issues in the weeks leading up, but, you know, that didn't really matter toward the end of the season as everybody uh, noticed that Stetson was going to be the guy. So what did you take out of what Munkin told everybody? And I guess y'all also got to talk to Stetson. And, you know, what did you glean from what he said as well? And by the way, have we mentioned that Michigan is playing Georgia? Did we mention that with the Michigan? Yeah, we did. Yes, we did. Oh, we did. Okay. Uh, Todd Munkin, um, look, my takeaway was that no, no, you did say that, um, that that it's it's Todd's call in terms of the quarterback. I, I think he obviously has a lot of sway in the decision. 
Um, I don't think he's unilaterally making it. I, I think if Kirby wanted the other guy, uh, that would happen. That's that's the veto power you get as the head coach. But I, I think they're on the same page. You hire Todd Munkin, who has an NFL uh, offensive coordinator background, quarterbacks coach um, background, to make informed, uh, you know, intelligent decisions that you think can can win games. But what I what struck me was, you know, Kirby has a certain way he communicates and he tries to maybe not. Uh, convey or pass along too much information to leave a little bit of doubt about what exactly is happening. We saw that with, you know, when he dis- uh, named the co-coordinators with Dan Lanning going to work, and he was never really clear exactly how the operation would go for this game until we got a chance to talk to Dan Lanning. Now, with Todd Munkin, um, I thought he basically just amplified what we knew, which was that Stetson Bennett is the guy, and he said it more forcefully and with more authority that it left little doubt of than today when we talked to Kirby Smart this morning via Zoom. He he came out probably because he felt like he had permission from the way Munkin talked that uh, Stetson Bennett is our starting quarterback. And I don't know if, if Kirby said that all season. Uh, maybe he said that one of those games where we knew uh, that, that JT wasn't available because of his oblique or, or lat injury or something. But, um, you know, he was just kind of putting an exclamation point on, on what Todd Munkin said, which was, uh, yeah, this is Stetson Bennett's... Uh, game to go win, and uh, if Georgia might be losing it, uh, you know, and, and uh, JT Daniels is available, and they need somebody to rescue them, um, you know, I wouldn't rule out still seeing him in that capacity, but um, I feel like there's less of a chance that's going to happen than I did before him. Do you think that was just a vote of confidence from Kirby, you know, with all the talk and, and him never really coming out and saying that, that he wants, he wants Stetson to know, hey, this is your team, this is your game, let's go out there and, and, and take care of business? Well, I think what Todd Munkin said yesterday um, certainly was uh, a step in that direction. And, you know, I don't know exactly what the scenario was in the room where they were doing the Zoom, but, you know, Stetson Bennett was next up on the mic after um, Munkin. And so, you know, he probably was in uh, earshot to listen to what Todd Munkin said. And, um, like, he basically, you know, he said, look, we, we think that he's already made national championship winning plays and, and he can lead us there. And, um, you know, Dropped the name James Winston, meaning that uh, I've coached guys that have won national championships. Now, you know, Munkin wasn't with him at Florida State, but he certainly worked, worked with him on the pro level. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think there is some building up of, of Stetson Bennett, who obviously is being trashed by a, a certain segment of the fan base, and he's coming off his, uh, you know, probably worst game of the season. Maybe not the worst game if you look at his QB rating or, or pass efficiency rating, but, uh, you know, when when you throw a couple interceptions and you, one of them's a kick six, it's, it's not a good day. Well, obviously the defense uh, could be could be pretty, you know, pretty heavily blamed for that as well, but y'all got to talk to Stetson too down there. What did uh, what did you glean from him? I know he said something about uh, he doesn't have social media and the like, which probably is best for, for a guy in his, his position right now, but did he give anything, you know, say anything out of the ordinary or that you could take and, and – you know, uh, uh, believe in Stetson, so to speak, going into this game? I mean, I haven't fact-checked that. A lot of times these guys say we don't have a lot on social media. They actually still are. Maybe that means they just aren't checking it or aren't posting themselves. I mean, did he actually delete his account? I don't know. Uh, but, um, yeah, I think we only talked to him for about five minutes because the players were, were coming and going. We had some other guys uh, after him. Um, but he, you know, said what you expect him to kind of say, which is, you know, um, I'm not listening to the noise, and uh, he said something about, 
you know, I wouldn't uh, want somebody to listen to me talking about a heart surgery. You know, I I'm basically he didn't necessarily care what people said about his ability to play football and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, I think this is a guy that, that um, you know, wants to be loved. I think he is loved by the people who love his story. Um, and, you know, they're going to love him a lot more if they can win two more games, which, you know, I don't think that's the realm of possibility he's going to need to play a lot better against Alabama if they get there. And against Michigan, you know, I think it's a good matchup if you had to compare the two quarterbacks. Kay McNamara is, you know, a good quarterback for their system, and you heard a lot from the Michigan people, uh, the coordinators there, the talk of complementary football, and I think both these teams uh, kind of ask their quarterbacks to, to be complementary to the uh, the defense. Um, both teams have very good defenses, and, uh, you know, they want them to get the ball to the playmakers um, and then not uh, create game-changing mistakes that could really hurt you and, uh, you know, be able to make throws in the play-action game, uh, hit hit plays downfield. So, um, you know, I think both these guys offer that without maybe having the dynamic abilities of a Bryce Young. Obviously, defense is uh, – you got to talk to Dan Lanning. You know, he's a guy juggling two jobs right now. And uh, Kirby is obviously a guy who, who who did this back when he was still at Alabama and they were playing for national titles and uh, he had, you know, already gotten the Georgia go- job and all. Is it is there any way that Dan Lanning could really be uh, as, as in on Georgia's uh, as, I guess, fans would hope that he could be with that Oregon head coaching job still just waiting out there for him? I think so. I mean, uh, he made the point that there's a lot of time to prepare for this game. And, you know, you really heard a lot of activity that was going on in Oregon, uh, you know, in, in that one week or so to maybe 10 days after he got the job. Uh, he's maybe filled up half his staff, um, you know, w- with, uh, you know, at least that have been announced. He probably knows more about who they are. So I think he, he certainly has a chance now to uh, really zero in on, on this uh, Michigan team and this game plan and, you know, I don't know exactly how much more heavy lifting that Will Muschamp and Glutt Schumann did in the time that he was occupied with Oregon stuff. But I asked him, and he said, look, I'm, I'm calling the plays. I'm, I'm still the play caller. And said, essentially, it's been a team effort this whole season, and, and those guys are still uh, you know, going to have a voice in, in what we're doing. But I guess ultimately, um, you know, Landon would be the one calling the plays in the field, and I'm sure with Kirby on the headset, uh, he probably has some veto power. Maybe he calls some plays uh, as well. Huh. Um, obviously, some uh, COVID issues. We mentioned JT Daniels had contracted uh, COVID last week. Uh, maybe uh, George Pickens, too, I believe. Uh, and they came down, uh, I guess, not with the team on – when did they get in, on Monday or Tuesday? Um, have you seen them yet? I mean, I know we hadn't been able to, to see any of the guys or uh, see any practice since they shut it down on, on Monday. But uh, I guess they did not travel with the team and uh, are back with the team now? Yeah, uh, they both um, arrived on Monday, uh, day after the team, uh, so they would have missed a uh, practice on uh, on Monday and uh, been able to get back there on Tuesday. Uh, now, you know, there are some indications that these guys are on the way, so um, this happened on the same day that uh, the playoff gave permission to the teams, the four semifinal team, to make it optional whether you wanted to have your practices open or closed, and uh, I think this came out, the announcement at least, after Cincinnati was already, maybe they had already completed their practice in Texas or for the Cotton Bowl or or were about to finish it, and uh, Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, they all said we're shutting it down, no media for these 15 minutes, which really only sees stretching. You're able to, you know, tell that, you know, if, if, you know, is somebody missing, do you not see the starting safety, stuff like that? Uh, 
But that was shut down. I and, and several other reporters on their own um, went over to the Georgia practice uh, facility at Bear University, which is about 25-minute drive from where I'm staying, um, and just kind of, you know, get a scene from the outside of what, it, you know, what's going on there and uh, saw the team unloading from their buses and that kind of thing and uh, kind of got the evil eye from a security <laughs> guard that uh, didn't, want, didn't, didn't want me on the premises. Now I was on a public sidewalk, so, um, you know, it was fine. Um, and then I actually headed over to the team hotel, which is in downtown Miami afterwards, and uh, you know, waited. Uh, some other reporters were there as well, waited to, to see the team uh, come off the bus. Now they actually went from the practice facility uh, at Barry to a beach party, so uh, uh, we had to wait a little bit longer. And then we got word that uh, a couple of those guys, you know, might be flying in. So uh, some reporters went over to the airport to, to wait on them at the private plane area, while others stayed at the hotel. And uh, ultimately. Uh, you know, the confirmation came from George Pickens himself, who posted to his Instagram story that he was at the airport at Miami, which uh, someone saw him there, but, um, you know, looked like he was, like, you know, uh, lifting up his camera to, to do that Instagram story. But until he actually posted it, I guess they couldn't be 100% sure that it was actually him. Interesting. And of course, I know the fan base is salivating over a, a George Pickens who is uh, – you know, at least a month healthier than he was when he was uh, making a big play against Alabama. So how much can we realistically expect out of George Pickens? What do you think that – does he provide a, a, a you know, much better option than he did maybe in that Alabama game where he might not have been 100%? And, you know, is he is he back to where old George Pickens was? I mean, I don't, I don't think he's necessarily going to get the number of snaps he would have gotten in the Peach Bowl last year or the Sugar Bowl the year before. Uh, but I think he's going to get you know a heck of a lot more snaps than he got against Alabama. Um, I, I don't know exactly you know what, what the difference is there in the numbers, but um, you know he has had basically uh, four weeks you know without whatever how many days it was where he might have been sidelined because of, you know there's a positive COVID test and then uh, subsequently a negative COVID test. I don't know how many practices exactly he might have missed on campus because of that. Um, but I mean, look, you're trying to win the national championship here, and Pickens didn't work his, his butt off, um, you know, during all these months of rehab from his ACL injury uh, to not be playing, uh, you know, at, at the highest level possibly he can in this game. This is why he came back. Right. Um, you know, he could have just shut it down and said, I'm going to try to get drafted, you know, early and that kind of thing. So um, if he's able to, uh, you know, whatever he can give, I'm sure that they'll try to squeeze as much out of him as they can. You mentioned earlier that y'all talked to Kirby Smart today. I think Jim Harbaugh tomorrow, correct for uh, for Michigan uh, reporters will get to talk to him. Yeah, I mean we're going to get Kirby. We're, we're going to get Kirby again tomorrow. Um, you know, today was supposed to be media day at Hard Rock Stadium, which would have been a, a chance to talk to basically anyone on the Georgia roster that was not you know a COVID season again, which this has turned into, uh, which is really a great opportunity because you know during the season. You're basically limited to the same, you know, dozen to 15 guys, it seems like, that are kind of rotated through. I mean, when, you know, there's certain guys you never talk to, like Darian Kendricks has been on right. the Georgia team for this full season, and he's never once been made available for an interview. Um, you know, you could basically pick through every position group, and uh, except for, you know, offensive line, I think most of those guys have been available. You know, JT Daniels hasn't been. We haven't talked to JT Daniels since, uh, right. you know, the Clemson game, maybe. And, not, and you no, think about from our perspective, you know, uh, a quarterback like Brock Vandergriff is somebody you might want to talk to, being a local guy, being a yeah. Georgia guy, you know that type of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah and then also, you know, certainly be a great chance to talk to 
Will Muschamp and Glenn Schumann, you know, just about uh, moving into the, their larger roles next season, um, things, things of that nature. But, but so um, it seemed like the, the teams kind of got to pick whatever they wanted to, in terms of the format. Um, today, um, and he'll be available tomorrow um, because that's that's structured by the Orange Bowl. But Michigan did not put Jim Harbaugh out there today, although he would have been available uh, at Hard Rock if uh, the original format had happened. Now, you know, maybe maybe uh, Georgia put Kirby out there because uh, you know a lot of media were upset that that practice was so long, basically because it was the only real reason to spend all this money to come down here. Uh, that was the the big benefit since you weren't going to get you know person uh, in person interviews. So maybe they're throwing a bone that way and saying, hey, you know, we know you're upset about that, but but here's Kirby today. So uh, who knows? Well, at least the game's still happening. Uh, and unlike, you know, had several canceled so far. And when you talk about sending reporters out, I know one of our Gannett papers in North Carolina who covers NC State sent somebody all the way out to San Diego, I think it was, for the, uh, you know, the bowl out there at the, uh, at the Petco Park. And, uh, of course, they canceled that game because UCLA came down with a lot of COVID. But, uh, you know, obviously that was questions that Kirby took today. Hey, hey. Yeah. More of a chance just without a game mm-hmm. to go get like two or three, two or three in and out burgers. Uh, and then, you know, just kind of. So if you flew out, of, uh, if you flew all the way out to San Diego, that'd be the only thing you're interested yeah. in. Nothing else. Just, oh, I mean, you know. that's, one, that's one of the things. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I know you, Ryan, you would probably make a, a drive to Tijuana. Uh, you'd get, you <laughs> for know, for only only there. for food. Yeah, you check out the scene there. Uh, you could view. Uh, to the golf course there where Tiger oh, always yeah. wins or used to win. You know, now that's Ryan in San Diego, right? Is that La Jolla or something? The one in San Diego or down in uh, Mexico? Yeah, yeah, the one in San Diego. Yeah, I think that might be, is that a public course? I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I know so. whatever it was, if it's $500 for a tea time, uh, Ryan would fork it over and nah. he has to deal with it. That's, a, that's uh, about uh, 20 times out of my price range for, for golf, but Getting back to Kirby Smart today, obviously asked a lot, uh, a lot of COVID questions, and it seems like the team has taken uh, every you know meaningful route to, to keep the team healthy and safe. But uh, is there any, I don't want to call it rumors, but any um, indication that they'll be missing anybody due to that for this game? I mean, Kirby said today that um, you know there was a bout of COVID on the team and that they've gotten a lot of those guys back. Uh, that there's some guys that you know apparently aren't back yet. Now you know you don't know what level there is. I mean, I don't know if you're talking about a walk-on or, or somebody that you really count on. Um, you know, when you get a chance to eyeball the team, you, you can't be sure really until pregame. Um, it, you know, if you're able to to see that. Um, so um, I haven't heard about any any in particular. Uh, you know, big-time players that that are in that boat, but but I really can't be sure right now. So I know Michigan's got a starting safety that all their beat writers are asking. Players about today, and the players are kind of like, you got to ask Harbaugh. Yeah. We can't tell you. Uh, so, um, you know, it seems like, you know, teams are going to be touched by it uh, in some way or another. The team's not really in their hotel. They're still doing stuff, but, um, you know, kind of on their own or, or, you know, with each other in terms of like they, they went on like a, a boat or yacht cruise and ate dinner. They went to that steakhouse that we talked about, they went to that beach trip. Uh, but I was struck by one of the, uh, the Michigan quarterback, Kate McNamara, told their website, uh, the Michigan website, that, you know, unlike, uh, I can't remember what bowl they went to a couple of years ago, maybe it was the, uh, uh, the one in Orlando. Um, but basically, you know, they, they usually have like some kind of con- contest, remember, like 
Georgia versus Michigan and who yeah. can eat the most steaks. Playing you know, family feud like and that. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know if these guys are seeing each other at all um, outside of uh, game day um, on the field because uh, you know they certainly don't want to get them in the same room and and have a, a one team affected to the other. Because you're not only talking about putting this game in jeopardy, you're talking about if, if both these teams got knocked out, you know, and you wouldn't have a national championship game possibly. Right. So now I say that the CDC is changing their, their isolation times. So, uh, you know, you would think I would give more wiggle room for that to, um, to be uh, something that wouldn't happen. And also at the football playoffs said, if need be, they could push that game back from the 10th to the 14th. If, if uh, you know, things got that dire. Right, right. Well, why don't we take a break real fast, Mark, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the Orange Bowl, maybe the Cotton Bowl, and we'll make some picks uh, in there as well. Welcome back in. Mark Weiser joining us from Miami as I sit in the podcast studio here in Athens. But, Mark, one story you had this morning found very interesting is the defense coordinator of Michigan, Mike McDonald, got his start at Cedar Shoals High School right here in the Classic City. And it looked by the questioning, you were asking maybe questions about his uh, his beginnings, and uh, he gave some pretty interesting answers. Yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of uh, interesting beginnings because, I mean, it was Cedar Shoals. He was a UGA student and was a student assistant 2010 under uh, Mark Rick and um, then worked for Todd Grantham as a graduate assistant. But... Um, coached the ninth grade football team at Cedar Shoals. They played on Thursday nights and uh, had about six shutouts, uh, you know, on that schedule. Um, and both the job of being a ninth grade head coach and being a uh, student or grad assistant, they're not very glamorous. Right. Uh, you do a lot of stuff you don't do when you have a million-dollar job at, you know, Michigan. I don't, I don't know exactly what he's making, but, um, you know, uh, the coach at the time uh, at Cedar Shoals, obviously Smith, uh, on Wednesday nights, they would uh, mop the floors uh, in, uh, you know, the, the football premises. I guess the locker room area, mop them and sweep them and that kind of stuff. So uh, that's a pretty good way to let you know that you're on the ground floor um, of your coaching profession. But um, you know, uh, got a chance to cut his teeth and went to went to the uh, Baltimore Ravens under John Harbaugh, um, and then ultimately uh, he was the one that recommended um, McDonald to Jim Harbaugh at Michigan and really turned around the defense this year over there. So, uh, you know, have a chance now to end Georgia's season in the defense. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But certainly uh, he's probably still got some friends. I think Todd Harvey, one of the guys uh, that was maybe a grad assistant at that time, now Georgia's tight end good. Yeah, and of course our buddy Jake Rowe at 247, I do believe coached with him and uh, said he he seemed like a genius, uh, even, uh, you know, coaching the ninth grade team, which I guess is – uh, says something when you have six shutouts as a as a as a freshman coach there, but yeah, that is a very uh, interesting matchup. And you know, I got to thinking because uh, I am a sports management major myself. I wonder if me and Mike had classes together, and I didn't even realize it at the time because uh, I guess we'd be about the same age. So, found that pretty cool in your story as well. So, yeah, he 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 is uh, thirty four years old. Yeah, yeah, that's probably about. I bet we did have classes together. That's pretty interesting uh you know i need to talk to other people that i do keep up with from my classes uh in those days and see if anybody recalls him but uh yeah so 7 30 p.m kickoff friday night new year's eve leads you in the new year's uh day uh mark this game um i mean we'll, we'll get to our picks later but 
to see Georgia as a seven-point favorite, I think um, it's surprising to me. Surprising in what way? That that it just seems a little high for a, a two versus three matchup. Michigan's playing uh, really good football right now. It just seems like that's a little high for Georgia. Uh, well, I mean, Georgia's body of work in the regular season is such that um, I guess people are, are looking at, uh, you know, maybe the Alabama game was an aberration, that, that uh, you know, Alabama could do some special things uh, with, with Bryce Young and with uh, John Metchie, who they don't have now anymore, but, you know, certainly Jameson Williams and, um, you know, Michigan, um, you know, has beaten Ohio State, uh, but maybe that's just something about the respect people have for the SEC. Um, I'll give you my pick. Um, you know, a little bit later, I guess, when we make these picks. But, um, you know, I certainly think that Michigan um, is an impressive team. I mean, I don't think that their, uh, you know, 12-1 record is any kind of fluke. Um, they have a very uh, creative uh, offensive play caller in, in uh, Josh Gaddis, who won the, the Boyles Award. Um, you know, they've run a couple of um, flea flickers. They do uh, a lot of reverses, um, you know, get the ball out to their running backs in space. Um, and they don't have the game breakers on the outside like Alabama does. Um, so, you know, th- there's a difference there, but, but they look a lot like Georgia in that they have, uh, you know, very good offensive line, um, and uh, they have some tight ends that they rely on in both the uh, passing game and in the, in, in the run blocking. So, um, you know, Georgia's defense, I think, is, is uh, more stout. Um, they don't, you know... Michigan will flash with those really impressive uh, pass rushers and Aiden Hutchinson and, and David Ojabo, uh, but Georgia has better guys on the second level with Nicobe Dean, with Channing Tindall, with Quay Walker, um, and they probably have more depth on the defensive line also and, and more guys in the interior uh, in Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt that really are just more um, dudes and difference makers and, and guys that really uh, you know can shut down the run game. So, um Give you my pick still coming up, but you know I am impressed with Michigan and the way they turned it around from two and four last year. And Jim Harbaugh, you know, reshaped his his coaching staff and uh, took a pay cut uh, to be able to get this program, you know, to a different level uh, when a lot of people wanted him gone. Um, so um, you know, there's a handful of Georgia guys uh, that played in high school that are from this area or in front of the state of Georgia that, that went to Michigan that are on that team. So um, I think there is some SEC-level talent over there, um, and uh, but Georgia just has more of it. And that is the insight you can find all the time at OnlineAthens.com, where Mark has you covered from down in Miami. He also has some Georgia basketball covered there uh, with a story posted on Monday as Georgia gets ready to open SEC play uh, pretty soon. They're on a little bit of a, against Texas a Yeah, they're on a little bit of a skid, however. They lost to George Mason uh, on December 18th. Well, and f- I, know, I, I know that you and your wife don't have any big plans for tonight because you'll be in front of the, uh, the ESPN Plus watching Georgia and Gardner-Webb. 7 p.m. tip for mm-hmm. segment. Unless you decide to, to take your wife to the game and watch it in person. You know uh, what? She might no, have. No, no. She might have received a free ticket to this game uh, through being a UGA employee, but uh, I oh. don't think we're going to get out there and go to it now. Uh, okay, you don't you don't want to sit next to Omicron, I guess. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, no, I mean I, the way I wrote it was, you know, I think this this game against Gardner Webb, believe it or not, is more important than the Texas A and M game because if you lose to Texas A and M, well, you know what, you're picked to be last in the SEC, and people think you're going to lose a lot more SEC games than you're going to win. 
But you can't lose to Gardner-Webb when you just lost to Wofford, to George Mason, and to uh, East Tennessee State. Like, you got to win these games now, right? you got one non-conference game left, and this is not a game you should lose. You've got a week to get ready for it. So I, I think there's some pressure. I mean, um, am I seeing that wrong? No. And, I mean, you know, whenever you're losing to teams like East Tennessee State, uh, you know, uh, George Mason and and you know Wofford earlier in the year. Th- these are these are games that uh, a Power Five program, especially an SEC that is, you know, has been for years hiring major coaches that have turned teams around. You know, Tennessee, Auburn, that type of stuff. Uh, you know, SEC wants to win, and and you know you got to beat the the Gardner Webs at the least to to keep your program relevant. And right now, Georgia's not doing that. Two of those three teams that they lost to, I believe, I could maybe maybe it was just one, but maybe two, uh, had higher ratings. Yeah, but that's I mean that's what I'm saying. Like they they should. No, I know. Yeah, no, that's that's correct. But um, you know, uh, we'll see. I mean, they're still Justin with with losing Jalen Ingram, but um, you know, you've had some chances in some of these games to to pull it out, and you haven't made the game winning plays. Um, So um, you know. Right. We'll see. I mean, you're, you're talking about 18 SEC games to go after them. So that, um, you know, the sand is going through for the, for the, the rest of the season. And, um, you know, you got to start to find, uh, you know, yeah. a connection from these guys to, to make the most out of them. And, and truthfully, you know, you don't really have much to work with, uh, with all due respect. I mean, I think Tom Crean even admitted this at one point this season, which was, you know, only one of these transfers that came to Georgia was starting on their last team, mm-hmm. um, and that was uh, Jalen Ingram, and he's the one he just lost. So it's not like these guys were starters on, on their team, and and uh, you know came from you know a different uh, different program, and, and just wanted you know. So though all of Georgia's we'll starters from last year have uh, have gone on to other programs where they are uh, excelling yeah. right now. Right. I think that's as much as we need to and should talk about basketball because people kind of focus on the semifinal game. No, absolutely. And, and um, yeah, we'll get to our uh, picks in just two seconds. But I was going to say that I mean, after this Gardner Webb game, the uh, it's a tough road to hoe with Texas A and M in Athens before going to Lexington, Kentucky, and to Starkville to play Mississippi State. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a tough road for for the for the Bulldogs basketball program. But that is probably, like you said, all everybody wants to hear about. Georgia basketball. Why don't we get to our picks? Unless you had something else, uh, some breaking news or anything from the Orange Bowl. No, but I am looking at a, a replay on SEC Network on my large screen TV here in this uh, hotel, which is nice. Uh, of Jamari Sawyer, and uh, I, I was talking to Ryan off the air beforehand. Uh, he is not wearing a Georgia polo, but he's wearing a Georgia T-shirt. So they did let him dress down just a little bit. Okay. Uh, so that's good. I, I wasn't paying attention to his uh, attire this morning as I. As I uh, I, I asked him a question as well, but I was kind of listening more to what he had to say. But, um, well, hey, Jamar, one of the better spokespeople. I was going to say before. Uh, Jamar, no, Jamar no. one of the better spokespeople. And, uh, you know, he'll be, uh, him and Will McClendon will have to deal with Mr. Aiden Hutchinson, which is mm-hmm. fun to, to see those guys go. The, the challenges of, of doing a call-in uh, interview here is the, the overlap there. But, uh, no, I could say one of the perks, obviously, of covering the events on our on our part, uh, as we've learned over the years, is uh, the kind of the media area. So, uh, you know, at the hotel, is there – I think I saw uh, Anthony Dasher playing a uh, – like a Pac-Man game. Is that is that on hand? Are you getting into that? Is there pool? Is there, you know, good food to be had? You know, free Dr. Pepper, that type of stuff? 
Uh, I don't know if Dr. Pepper is an official sponsor of the orange, but wouldn't I, wouldn't I guess it's some kind of orange drink? I, I yeah, don't really know. Well, maybe. Um, they do have a, uh, they have a, a bar in the um, hospitality suite, you know, with somebody, I guess, making drinks, and you can grab, put your hand and get a, uh, a nice cold soda and, and water, that kind of thing. And that's the same room that does have the Miss Pac-Man machine, which I was asking Dasher because he had, he had, uh, I think he posted about playing Galaga or something. I didn't see that, but maybe that's on the same game console. Uh, there is a, uh, a putting green in there, oh, uh, like man. a mini putting green, and um, you know that beanbag tailgate game as well. Mm -hmm. We call it cornhole around the uh, south here. Cornhole, cornhole, yeah, yeah cornhole. You know. <laughs> I'm not really tailgating. I'm actually going to the games and covering. Yeah, so. that's true. Well, the name escapes me. Well, I hate I'm missing uh, putt putt and uh, free drinks. Free drinks, or is it just a cash bar? Uh, and it's free. Dang it. Uh, oh, well. With that news, let's get into our picks. You ready? Let's rock and roll. All righty. We'll start off with a game that is currently in progress as we do this podcast. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey. Too what? Much, too what? much. Too much. Hey, let's, hey, let's hey. I want everybody to know when we do this podcast. It's currently 2.45 on Wednesday, but Maryland versus Virginia Tech. I haven't looked at the score. I'm assuming you haven't, but I did make my pick no, beforehand. Let's, wait, let's, let's recap. Let's recap how we did last week. Oh, okay. I, I, I went six and five. How'd you do? Um, I am now 109 and 107 against the spread. Good job. Um, uh, I think I just deleted what I did, but I think I was like one game under. So I didn't do great. I think it was maybe five and six. How many games were there? Yeah, I got 11 and because we had three that were canceled yeah. on us. Yeah, yeah, I was five and six. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, right, I was six and five. Usually I've looked at these games ahead of time because I'm the one that's kind of... Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, tables are... So, uh, tables are turned here. I'll be on the fly like you, like you always do. I know. My how the turn tables. Uh, all right. Current game. The New Era Pinstripe Bowl. Maryland versus Virginia Tech. Maryland by three and a half. Go. Uh, Pinstripe Bowl, Yankee Stadium. I have not looked at the score. Um, it's, it's Maryland by three and a half, you said? That is correct. Um, I'll take, yeah, I guess I'll take Maryland. Um, I'm not really uh, feeling it for either of these teams, but somebody's got to win. So. Okay, I I, since I knew you'd take Maryland, I went with Virginia Tech. So that was my reasoning behind that. Moving on to another game well, today. Wait, wait, what is the score that game since you said that? I, I don't know. I, was, I, was, I didn't want to cheat. Let's see okay. here. Maybe be, maybe be on the crawl here. Go ahead. Yeah, so right, our, uh, Maryland's up 7 nothing in the uh, first half, it appears. So first yeah, quarter, to be exact. There you go. Go Terps. All right. All right, second game, Clemson, Iowa State, Cheez-It Bowl. If you saw uh, Dabo Swinney, he looked like a Cheez-It. I didn't see him. He looked, he looked like a Cheez-It. Yeah, like I think that, was, that had to be coordinated. Uh, Clemson yeah. by a two and a half. Uh, I'm going to go Clemson in this one. I, I do feel like they got a little better as the season went on, which I know is odd to say about Clemson since they've been a powerhouse, but I, I feel them in their orange color in the Cheez-It Bowl. Yeah, I think Clemson. Um, it's in Orlando. I feel like they, uh, they want to end it the right way after kind of a disappointing season for them. So, yeah, I think Clemson. Absolutely. All right. Valero Alamo Bowl later tonight. 14 Oregon versus number 16 Oklahoma. Oklahoma favored by six and a half. What say you? Uh, Bob Stoops against Brian McClendon, hmm. two interim coaches. Um, Brian McClendon has a better winning percentage career than uh, Bob Stoops. <laughs> Do you know that? Was he 1-0, so he's batting 1,000? 
He won to know. Yep. Won to know. Uh, this means that Brian McClendon in, in twenty uh, twenty seven will be the interim coach somewhere. Every six <laughs> years now, it looks like he's doing this thing. Um, what's the spread? Oklahoma by six? Six and a half. You know what? Um, I'm going to take McClendon. He's, he's, he brings it on the general games. I'm going to take Oregon get, giving those points, or getting those points. Yeah, I heard he gave a, a pretty impassioned speech to the Bulldogs before they uh, won that. What, what game did they play in? Was it the... Uh... Was it the independence? Did he say to keep the main thing the main thing? And maybe that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, that's just, that's just. I'm gonna take right. Oklahoma, and I don't know why, but give me, uh, give me the, the the six and a half points uh, or whatever. I'll take the six and a half points. And, and wait, wait, wait. Oklahoma, you're, you're giving the six and a half. Yeah, Oklahoma's favored by six and a half. I, I always mess up how to yeah, say yeah, that, yeah. but I'm gonna take All them right, to cover right, that. All right, go ahead. All right, moving on to Thursday. we got a couple of games. Uh, and one couldn't be more fitting, if you ask me. The Dukes-Mayo Bowl had, uh, held in Charlotte between North Carolina and South Carolina. And as you know, we discussed last week on the podcast, one of the two coaches is getting Dukes-Mayo poured all over them after they uh, are victorious. And uh, one thing I noticed about this line, UNC is now a 9.5-point favorite. And the line opened at 5.5, so I guess a lot of people are – Going for the hills, uh, I'll go on this one. I think USC pulls it out. Uh, you know, give me their points, and they're going to win the game outright. Well, your boy's starting quarterback, isn't he? Yeah, General uh, Nolan there, or whatever. Have you seen the T-shirts that have come out with uh, one last ride and all that stuff? Yeah, yeah. All right, I am taking um, – I'll take South Carolina also. because um, that's a lot of – I mean, I don't think any of these – yeah, I'm, I'm taking Gamecocks. I think they're going to lose by like eight or something. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That did seem like a high line, and I, I think they can win outright. North Carolina hadn't impressed me all year. Hey, moving on to the tra- uh, Transperfect Music City Bowl, Tennessee versus Purdue. Tennessee by six, and it opened as a Purdue favorite by two and a half, but Tennessee is by six now. Uh, I heard today, or I guess I read today, that Kate Mays is out of this game. I don't know what the issue is there. Um, you know, I don't know if he had ran across a protocol or what, but um, I almost this is a national. I'll, I'll take Tennessee. Yeah, me too. They're gonna cover that. Moving on to the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl in Atlanta, twelve Pittsburgh versus number ten Michigan State. Michigan State is a two and a half point favorite, but I don't know. I, I feel something about Pitt, even though uh, their quarterback's uh, Pickett. He's not gonna play, is he? That's right. Nope, and Michigan State's running back's not playing either. Right. Um, I'm going to take Pitt, though. That's, my, the, that's it, mine. It's, it's Pitt by how many? Two and, No, Michigan State by two and a half. Oh, I'll take Pitt getting the points. Yeah, I kind of felt that way, too. So, uh, right, yeah, two cool. two Pitts. Moving on to tomorrow night, late night game from Las Vegas, the SRS distribution Las Vegas Bowl between Wisconsin and Arizona State. Wisconsin by six and a half. Who you got? Um, I'll take Wisconsin. I'll go Arizona State. You know, they don't have as far to travel. How's that sound? All right, moving on. New Year's Eve. Uh, We'll save the playoff games for last, uh, but there are two other games before the showdowns, uh, the playoff semifinals. Maybe a dud of a bowl season, you know, dud of the bowl season. You got an 11 a.m. game between Wake Forest and Rutgers in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Wake by 14 and a half. Give me Wake, though, to cover that. Yeah, I mean, Rutgers didn't even underplay the game like a week ago. Yeah, God. And, and Wake has been a little undervalued this year. 
How about another game that's uh, been oddly arranged? The Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, Washington State versus Central Michigan, last-minute substitution after Miami backed out of the uh, Sun Bowl. Central Michigan was supposed to play in, I think, the Barstool Sports Bowl or something, and Boise right, State right, had right, to back right. out of that. So now we got Washington State and Central Michigan with Washington State by seven as the current line. What do you got? Uh, I'll take Central Michigan the point. Washington State? Yeah. I agree with that. No, I'm, no I got Central Michigan. Okay. Central Michigan. Give them. Okay. I'm going to go Washington State. It's just, I mean, they've at least been able to be in one central base and, and practice somewhere. Central Michigan, uh, right. until two days ago, couldn't, uh, didn't have a, didn't have a game to play. All right. New Year's Day Bowls. We will uh, rapidly go through this. Penn State and number 21, Arkansas in the Outback Bowl. Arkansas by one. I'll take the Hawks. Um. Yeah, I'll take Arkansas as well. Um, I, don't, I don't know if I uh, I'm still remembering the the loss to Georgia in the uh, the game in Jacksonville. So I'll take Arkansas. All righty, Oklahoma State versus Notre Dame. That's number nine versus number five in the Fiesta Bowl. Notre Dame by two and a half. I think I'm gonna take Oklahoma State in that one. Um, this is the debut of their new coach right. as uh, Freeman got promoted. Um, it's Notre Dame giving two and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Irish. I think most of their coaching staff has remained intact, except for the head coach. So I'll pick Notre Dame. All righty, the VRBO Citrus Bowl, Kentucky against Iowa. Kentucky by three. What do you think? Give me, give me a Wildcats. Yeah, I think a lot of people are hot on the Wildcats. From what I saw, it looked like it jumped from Iowa to Kentucky pretty quick. And uh, yeah, I'll stick with Kentucky. All right, the Rose Bowl. Number 11, Utah versus number 6, Ohio State. Ohio State by 4.5, though it started about 8.5 and, and has come down pretty quickly. What do you think? Um, I haven't really been, I don't know what the out-out situation is for this game. I'm thinking Utah. I think they're going to be more happy to be there. Uh, I read that Ohio State tickets aren't going that great. So uh, give me the Utes uh, getting the points. I, too, read that exact thing that most of Ohio State's uh, – allotment of tickets have been given back so give me utah as well moving on to the sugar bowl a game we got familiar with a couple years back number seven baylor versus number eight old miss old miss by one and a half what do you think um i'll take baylor uh like uh Taylor Anderson, a good job there and um uh, um uh, they're kind of familiar they know what it's like to play in the sugar bowl a couple years back right That's true, Georgia. Yeah. give me give me baylor Although Arch Manning will be in the house, oh, yeah. and uh, they probably won't impress him. Absolutely. I say Ole Miss wins big. No no reason other than a hunch. All right, next Tuesday, I don't know if we'll podcast by then, but let's go ahead and pick it. LSU versus Kansas State in the Tax Act Texas Bowl. Kansas State favored by three and a half. I w- let, me, let, me, let me go. Let me go. I say give me Kansas State. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not feeling LSU. Uh, they have an interim coach. Don't have their quarterback. Um, and, that, and that team has not been invested for a, a while. I feel like. I guess maybe they want to send Coach Joe off the right way. But all right, what have we got left? The two semis. Yep. So leading us off, Alabama versus Cincinnati, three thirty on Friday in the Cotton Bowl Classic. Alabama by thirteen and a half, the highest I think that a uh, playoff game has ever been. So give us a break now. It's an interesting number. Um, I feel like Cincinnati's going to hang with Alabama for a while. I think ultimately they will pull away. So I will take Alabama. Um, 
giving the points, um, you know, I feel like just Alabama has been on these, these big stage games, uh, you know, year after year after year. Cincinnati obviously, you know, did a good job last year of not uh, backing away from Georgia and, and going, you know, to the fight with them and certainly had Georgia on the ropes. Uh, but I feel like I've seen Cincinnati have too many games where they were just kind of not able to pull away, and uh, I feel like Alabama will be able to, to create some separation at the end. Right. I keep thinking back about how Alabama, uh, you know, they clearly had their best performance against Georgia in the SEC championship. Other games, yeah, not so much. I think, you know, with Cincinnati coming in being their first appearance and, uh, you know, like you had mentioned, the way they played Georgia last year in the Chick-fil-A Bowl, I think it, I think it stays close and they can keep in their 13-and-a-half. Now, I think it, you know, will be Alabama winning, but uh, that number is high and I think Cincinnati keeps it close. Moving on, 7.30, the game most of y'all care about. On Friday night will be the Cotton, I mean, excuse me, the Orange Bowl down in Miami, Michigan, and Georgia. We've already talked a lot about this one. Bulldogs favored by seven and a half as of last look. Uh, like I said, it seems like a lot to me. And before you really break it down, uh, Mark, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with uh, with that saying. I think Michigan, it'll be close. I do think Georgia will win. We'll have a Georgia Alabama final, but uh, that number just seems a little bit too high, especially with the way Michigan handled the Big. 10 championship and uh, the way Georgia didn't look so good in the SEC championship? Well, I think Georgia is certainly motivated uh, coming off the Alabama loss, coming off the performance. Um, you know, this Michigan offense is, uh, they make the most out of what they have, um, but I don't think that Georgia's going to have the type of bust that really, uh, you know, allowed for those kind of. Um, you know, really big plays, a couple of 55-plus touchdowns against them. Uh, now, I'm trying to remember what game it was, but uh, Georgia's secondary, I feel like, has, has done a good job against the trick plays when they have had some throwing against them. Maybe Tennessee, um, some of the guys on the back end have, have you know, been in, in the right spots when something was kind of been thrown at them surprisingly um, so I think that they've been repping it. They're ready for, for what Michigan's going to throw at them. Um, you know, I think, uh, you could have some, you know, uh, ability to make some big plays, you know, with these running backs out of the backfield, whether it's the wheel routes or, or what have you. But, uh, you know, Michigan runs the ball, um, a lot. Uh, you know, I think I wrote down, you know, Tennessee and Arkansas maybe actually run more, more per game, uh, in terms of the, the numbers. But this is what Georgia loves, uh, a team that wants to run downhill. Uh, now that you know they are going to take their shots downfield, they do have a bunch of plays of uh, you know 50 or more yards uh, explosive plays that they've had. Uh, but I, I think Georgia's defense has a bounce back showing, and I think Stetson Bennett protects the ball better. Um, and I think ultimately Georgia wins this game. Uh, I take the 31 to 20. Um, you know they have a really good kicker. They, they, their guy won the uh, Groves Award. Um, so you know a couple field goals, a couple touchdowns. Um, you know, you're playing Michigan is legit. I mean, I don't think you're getting necessarily uh, 17 or less points like you, you had uh, during the regular season. But um, I think Georgia, uh, will, they'll get some turnovers. Um, they haven't had any for a while, um, and or the last game at least. And, and they'll, uh, they'll put some pressure. You're not going to have a zero-sack game. They're going to dial up some pressure. They're going to play defense more like they're accustomed to. We heard from Louis Sime uh, back on campus that they deviated from what had brought them there. Uh, against Alabama with the game plan. They put too much uh, on the plate of the, the guys in the defense um, to think instead of just kind of react and do what they were doing earlier. So 
uh, Georgia-Alabama rematch is the way we see it, or I see it at least, and uh, uh, I'll see you in Indianapolis. Well, there you have it. The Georgia breakdown, as we said before, go to onlineathens.com to keep up with everything happening from Miami. Follow Mark at Mark Weiser on Twitter, and uh, then go find our podcast. Give us a rating. Five stars would be much appreciated, and uh, a little review if you'd like. But, Mark, have fun down in Miami, and uh, maybe next time we get together, we can preview a national championship matchup uh, for the Bulldogs. All right. Happy New Year, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week.